Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, here we are, Dad, on our new Don Cherry's podcast. This is our fifth episode. So we've been watching hockey this week. So what what what's what caught your eye? You know, I watched Anderson in St. Louis. It, you know, and I think he's second in the shots and against in that. But I said it's not it's it's the quality of shots. I've never seen a goaltender, and I've seen them all. I've been not, like I've said, I'm not going through that again. But cold, cold turkey walk in like they should have been down three nothing. And uh, there's if goalies aren't in the right frame of mind, Bingington he gets pulled after I think he had two shots, uh, two two goals and four shots or something like that. If they're not in the right frame, and you could tell them right right off the bat, and you say, "Well, you pull him," and you know sometimes that works. You know you pull a goaltender. I see more and more it works. You pull a goaltender, but I always this is the way I always thought it. If I was a goaltender, and I knew I was having a tough game, and um, well, and I the coach pulled me, eh? So the next game, I'm in the game, and I'm thinking, I'm having a tough game. Hmm, I wonder if he's going to pull me. You got thinking. When goaltenders start thinking, you're in trouble. And I can't remember ever pulling a goaltender when I was in Boston, or I don't remember in Rochester either. That was, I, never mind Hardy. Hardy wanted to get pulled all the time it was, and when I was in Colorado. But I, I never liked pulling them. But there you are, Anderson. I mean, I have never seen... I mean, Hellebuck is pretty good in in, in, in uh, Winnipeg. He's he's doing pretty. I mean, he is something else, and he is on a he's a, he's a, what I call he's in a groove. He's in a groove. And that Darcy Temper for Arizona again. And in the old story, I'll tell you again. And and many people have said this, and it's true. So so true. Show me a good goalie, and I'll show you a good coach. All you have to do is take a look at Boston. Rask has a bad game. His backup has a bad game. That's what that exact happened. And I know, I know I went from uh, a champ in Boston to a chump in Colorado. You know, Dad, when you look at the top goalies with the most starts, the top three, it's Carey Price, Montreal, Anderson, Toronto, and Calgary with Riddick. So it's funny how the top three most starts by a, a goalies are Canadian teams. And then if you look at it, the most shots against a goalie, Riddick, Anderson, Hellebuck, and Price, the top goalies that have faced the most shots are Canadian goalies or on Canadian teams. When I hear you talk like that, I think how lucky I was in Boston. When I think of, uh, when I think of the backup goalie I had there, and you notice the teams like, uh, like Holpe in Washington, he plays about 45 games last year. Any team that wins the Stanley Cup, the goalie plays about 45, 50 games. And when I, when I think of of Cheevers, and uh, and I think of, uh, I had Jerry Cheevers, and I had uh, a, a Jilly Gilbert. When I think of Jilly Gilbert, and you told me this a couple of years ago, and I didn't even know about it, you said that uh, Gilbert set a record never to be broken, 17 straight wins. And you know, he had all the tough games. And a coach knows when, when, when you're going to lose. Now, I shouldn't say when you're going to lose, when you're going to have a tough game. You have three games and, and four nights or something like that in the American League like we used to. But I, I don't understand it. Cheevers could always play back-to-back. And then Cheever, and poor Jilly would get the game when we think we're going to the third game 
or the second game. He always got it, but I think he hated me so much that he, yeah, I'll show you, and he went 17 straight games. When I think how lucky I was, because when I see guys, you know, pretty good coaching that, if they don't have goaltender, it doesn't matter. I mean, you, you, take, you take that game Saturday night if you want to just take a game Saturday night. There's no way that St. Louis should have lost that game, but Anderson comes through, makes the coach look good. You know, Dad, like you said, Cheevers was uh, the, your starter and Gilbert was your backup. You had a good backup, and you've said one of the problems that the Leafs had. I, you talk about a backup. I'll tell you a funny, a funny story. That I, I remember in Pittsburgh, we, uh, and I must tell you about Harry coming in. Somebody. But anyhow, we're in the playoffs against Pittsburgh. We start out, and Cheevers wins the first two games of Boston. Now we're going back. If you're going to lose a game, you're going to lose the game, the first game back in Pittsburgh. And Jilly was supposed to start, you know, and, and he never got nervous before. Just before the game, I get the trainer comes up to me, Dan Canny, comes up to me and he says, Jilly can't go. What are you talking about? He had the warm-up and everything. He can't go. He's full of hives. Well, I've never seen hives in my life before. I said, what, are you kidding? And I went to look at him, and he all little red spots all over, all over face and everything. So Cheevers, I know, had hot dog, and he figured he won the first thing. He had a big towel around him. He's sitting there. I think he's burping from I said, okay, Jilly. I said, Jilly's got the hives. He said, what are you kidding? It's your plan. That was the best game he ever played. He wasn't thinking, eh? Again, we no way we should have won the game, but we won the game, and 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 that's what happens with goaltenders. If you don't have a good backup, if you, it's the old story, you you cannot play sixty five games or sixty two games and expect to win in the playoffs because it's a war in the playoffs, and that's exactly what happens to Anderson all the time. He plays sixty to sixty two games. You cannot do it, and you get to the playoffs. You got a war coming up. You're not ready. And I know I keep harping on Goldies, but be, when I watched that game last Saturday night, and when I watched games like that, when I watched that Rass play, when I, you know, Hellebuck, unbelievable. Kemper, unbelievable. When I see those play. I just love it when I see goaltenders standing on their head. You know, Tim, when I, when I, when I hear, you know, I hear the sports writers and I hear, you know, everybody, and the big thing right now here in Toronto is the backup goaltender. I remember when they let McElhaney go, I, I was the only guy at the time, and naturally, I was the only guy in Coach's Corner, and I think you people remember this, what I said, they will rue the day they ever got rid of McElhaney. He was a perfect backup, perfect backup. He didn't mind being a backup, 25 games. I know he was making about million eight, two million there, and it wasn't, be, wasn't too bad. He, he, he was a good friend with Anderson. He didn't want to be number one. He wanted to be a good backup. They let him go for nothing. He goes to Carolina, and he wins 20 games. He was a perfect backup. And I know that Babcock did not want to let him go. And who pays the price? The coach all the time. He takes it in the year. There's not, it wasn't fair that they get rid of McElhaney on, 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 on Babcock because he did not want to let him go. And now they're, now they're in a the jackpot. They don't know what to do. Their, their backups in Toronto have not won one game, which is unbelievable. I mean, Babcock's supposed to be a bad, such a bad guy, such a bad coach and everything. He won, the, he won the Olympics and he won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, a bad coach. I mean, Matthews is getting over $10 million or $11 million, the highest paid guy in the league, or one of the highest paid guys in the league. He won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's a bad coach. And then he had Marner. He comes up. He comes up. He's making about a 10 or a $1 million. I mean, not a bad coach for those guys right there. 
And, you know, I just hate to see a guy get a bad mark like that. I mean, undeserved. I mean, he did, he had his ways. Don't let me get I mean, he I think he ticked off. What happened with him was he ticked off the press. He was one of those guys that I'm the smartest guy in the room when he walks in or something like that. And the press, they'll always get you in the end. They always have the last word. But I don't think he was that bad a coach when a guy who's been rookie of the year makes $10 million. Sounds pretty good to me. I was reading a list from one of the many hockey sites on the internet, and they were doing the top 100 goal scorers. Are they? And, and they didn't even put Bobby Hall in the top 10. When I hear, when I hear that, I think of uh, Mulkin. <laughs> he never had him in the top 100. 100. I mean, and he won Rookie of the Year, Stanley Cup. And, uh, and I thought, you know, I thought Mulkin would be mad in that. And when he did an interview, he, he just laughed and said, I thought, you know, he'd say something. He said, well, I guess i got to work harder. <laughs> like Bobby Hall. Um, I mean, this guy, they call him a colon jet. I mean, they, a lot of people... They hear, you know, Bobby Hall, you know, you, you know he was great and everything. But I, I wrote a few things down, what he did was, and I'll just read them to you. I did a lot of things here. Uh, he won, uh, he won uh, three Art Rosses. He won two Lester Patricks, two Hart, won the Lady Bing, which didn't thrill me. I, I remember one time the Lady Bing that uh, Jean Rattel, and, uh, I and I used to go in and be, I don't want any Lady Bings on this team, I... I don't want any lady bings on this team. And Jean Mattel, what a great guy he was. He played for Boston. He reminded me of Belleville, class, French Canadian, very, he was a uh, golfer and very quiet and beautiful. And uh, he won the lady bing. So he came into the dressing room, he came into my office and said, Denis, I, I, I feel bad. And I, you know, I'm thinking, what did, he, what did he do wrong? He says, I'm sorry, I won the lady bing. <laughs> If anybody should win, you should win it. Anyhow, uh, Bobby Hall won one Stanley Cup. He made 11 first All-Stars. I mean, I mean 11. He appeared, he appeared on the t- cover of Time magazine. He's in the Hall of Fame. And there's a great picture of him and uh, Makita outside Chicago. And uh, Makita's pretty good, too. We must talk about him sometime. I, I have to tell a story one time about Makita. I'll tell that story now. And I know we're talking Bobby Hall, but let me just tell you a story about Makita. Dan Makita, he was, he, he was uh, one of those guys that was a wacko uh, when he played for the first couple of years, and then he switched right over. I think he won the Lady Bing and the whole deal, and then he said, instead of getting penalties, I'm going to get points. And he, he was terrific. And they, we played an exhibition game, Boston against Chicago. It was my first year. And him and Bobby Orr got into a sort of a stick-swinging thing or something going on. And um, then after the game, I don't know why he said it. Uh, he said, uh, oh, Cherry doesn't run that club. That, uh, Coach Cherry doesn't run that club. He said, Bobby Orr tells him what to do. So I didn't say nothing. So I remember uh, I did the press conference, and a guy named Joe Galuti, I never forgot it, in, in Boston. He goes, geez, Don, I really forgot. Uh, I, I missed him. I missed him. Have you got any? Yeah, I'll give you a good story. So the good story. I was nuts back in those days. He said, someday, Makita's got a big mouth. Somebody's going to send him back to uh, Czechoslovakia in a pine box, uh, which, which wasn't a nice thing to say. And then I get a call from uh, uh, Diane, uh, and I said, oh, I knew I was in trouble. When you get a call, it was from Mr. Campbell. And when you get a call from her, you know you're in trouble. Eh? So, and so I, met, I was in my office and everything like that, and, and 
It's just a call from Diane. Oh, geez. So, hello. Uh, is this Mr. Cherry? Yes, and I remember him. She had a deep voice, too. And she said, Mr. Campbell wants to speak to you. And so he makes you wait about three or four minutes, five minutes, and you're sweating the whole time there. Explain your actions in Chicago. Uh, that is the most feeble. He just give it to me. He said, do you realize what you've done? Do you realize what you've done? If he ever gets hurt playing in Boston, if he ever does break break a leg or something like that, you could be sued the Boston Bruins, and he just give it to me like that. And then to jump jump ahead, if I get another story, is that they had a big lawsuit about this thing, about Davy Forbes. Davy Forbes had I keep going deeper and deeper in this thing, but Davy Forbes and Henry Boucher were playing Minnesota, and um, there was stupid. They had we had the 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 uh, penalty boxes, and they had to cross at center ice. And Davy Forbes, I never forgot it. Hit hit him with a stick. Hit him in the eye. Hit Henry Boucher in the eye. Down he goes, and blood's all over the place. And I remember Davy Forbes. He had to go up in the shower. We hadn't. He was kicked out of the game naturally. And I remember he was in the shower, and he wouldn't couldn't get him out of the shower. He said, "What have I done? What have I done?" So anyhow, I know I, what I I know I digress as they say. So what happened was they had a lawsuit. And uh, in Minnesota, I had to fly out. I remember I had to fly out and the whole deal. And then they had it again in the Boston Gardens upstairs. So Harry says, now, look, you're going there. You have, don't be a smart guy. This is going to cost us a lot of money. So I go up there, and, he, and the lawyer for, for Boucher says, I understand uh, you, you advocate violence in the game. I said, no, no. I, you know, I, he said, yes, he did. He said, you, you said that you were going to send Makita back in a coffin. And I said, no, I didn't. Oh, and they went got them to go through the papers and the whole deal. And, and he looked. I said, I'd send him back to Chuckles in a pine box. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyhow, I'm, how did one of my talk? Oh, oh, yeah. A long time ago and everything. Like, everybody had a straight stick. They had a great backhand and everything. And here's Bobby Hall uh, from the grapevine talking about how he got the banana curve, which was a terror of the National Hockey League. Yeah, and I want to show you, I was going to ask you about the curve. Now, who's the first guy? You say you had the curve. I'm cur- not guilty. Now, who was the first guy? It was Makita. Stan had uh, a terrible habit. If he didn't like a stick, he'd just lean on it and break it. And I said, Stan, and I don't know how many times, I said, there are 400 little guys out there that would just love to have one of your sticks. I said, don't break it. Hang it on my rack, and I'll see that someone gets it. So we're practicing one day. He didn't like his stick. Tried to lean on, he didn't have enough weight, it was late in the seat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he went over to the door, at our, our bench door, and he rammed it in the door between the hinges. Yeah. And he reared on it and reared on it, and finally it split. Just a little, eh? It split in the blade, and the top part flew out, and the bottom stayed in. And he kept rearing on So it came out, and the stick looked like this. So while he was going downstairs, you know, in Chicago we had yeah. to go downstairs to the dressing room, he grabbed a puck out in front of the net, and he fired it in, and I'm watching him. In the net he goes, fishes it out, come back. he came back again, fired it in. He did this six times. So I said to the guys in the bench, some of the guys were practicing down at the other end, I said, look at Makita, he's really kookaloo now. <laughs> I said, look at what he's doing. So he came up, and I said, Stan, what were you doing? Firing the puck in the net, fishing it out, firing it. He said, Bobby, he said, when I tried to break my stick, he said, I put a hook in the blade, and he said, can you ever fire it? So after practice, he said, I'm going to call 
Northland. We use Northland yeah. Pro. This is a CCM. Yeah. Uh, we, I use Northland Pro most of my uh, career, except when I did some advertising for CCM. Sounds <laughs> like us all. Dave, Dave knows about that too. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to call Northland and get uh, half a dozen made up with a little hook in the blade. And I said, well, order me a half a dozen, too. And from then on, it just went from Ooh. a little bit. Where did you develop that slap shot, though? I mean, that was murder. First of all, let me tell you a story about Cheevers. Jerry Cheevers told me this story, and it's a true story. It was a power play. And the puck would, correct me if I'm wrong, the power play, you had a guy just sifting the puck over nice uh -huh. to you, nice feathering, and you'd hammer it, and he'd be ducking, hoping you'd score. <laughs> Finally, you put it over five times, and the only way it stopped is you hit the crossbar and went in the crowd. He says, I never prayed so hard in my life. Is that a true there story? There was another, yes, but there was another time, even funnier than that, Don. I got it out the point, and uh, the, one of the uh, defenders came out to check me, and I reared back, and I faked it. And I went around him, and he slid past me. And I went in another, oh, 10 or 15 feet, and I wound up again. And one of the defensemen thought that he'd take a chance at it, and he slid out. And I managed to get around him. Now I'm about from here, uh, maybe over to, to Jimmy there, out in front of the net. Now I look up. <laughs> I, I start to wind up, and I look up, and the net is vacant. <laughs> I start to laugh, and Cheevers had gone over, and the defenseman gave me a wide berth, and he gave me about three quarters of the net. Cheevers was over hiding behind his defenseman. <laughs> and I fired it in the open side. We're talking about Bobby Hull and his banana curve, and I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, he'd shoot the puck. He had no idea where it was going. And I hate to say it, but he used to go in, and he used to name it at their heads. And, you know, straighten, as he used to say, straighten them up, Bobby Bobby Schmatz used to do the, straight, the same thing. I remember Bobby Schmatz. He never had a goal in the playoffs, and he came in the dressing room, and he said, bench me, Grapes. In front of the Harry, send and bench me. I said, get out of here. And he says, no, he says, I'm hurting the club. That's the kind of guy Bobby Schmatz was. So he played against, we are playing against L.A. He got eight goals, set a record. Anyhow, he, he used to do the same thing as Bobby Hall, shoot at the head, and the next one along the ice. And because of that banana stick and of Bobby Hall's, the guys were curving, curving, everybody. They had to make a rule, only a half-inch curve on the blade. You know, and everybody had a little curve on their stick, just a little curve, but not John Mattel. He, he, he said he liked the straight stick for, uh, for the face-offs and backhands and like that. So I told the Sherwood guy, I said, just give him a little curve. I said, not, not, not a big curve, just a little curve, but don't say anything, just give it to him. And... He ended up our leading scorer, but he loved it just enough. But at one time, I know this is hard to believe the people listening and everything, everybody had a straight stick. It's a funny thing now. They don't, I can't remember the last time they checked a stick. And there's a, and I hate to say it, there's a lot of sticks out there that look pretty curved right now, but they don't want to do it because they, if they're wrong, they get a penalty against them. And I, and I, I, I can't remember the last time uh, it meant anything to, that checking a stick. I think the last one was the time Marty McSorley got caught in the finals and it cost him the Stanley Cup and Jock Demers was a coach for Montreal and it was against L.A. And how he found out, I don't like to say that somebody found out um, by the stick boy and that, whatever it was he called it. And uh, he did, his stick was illegal and I think Desjardins, I think, scored the goal, winning goal. It cost the L.A. Well, one of the reasons they lost the Stanley Cup was because of the check and the stick.
But I don't, I don't have, can't remember the last time I saw a stick being checked in the National Hockey League. You know, just to wrap things, a few things about Bobby Hall that I'd like I talk about. Call him a golden jet. I remember, I remember I was in the American Hockey League, and they had, uh, I remember Jansen Swimwear. They had uh, basketball, they had football, they had baseball, and they had all the top guys in a swimsuit. Holy smokes! You should have seen Bobby Hall. He he looked he, he looked beautiful. He had the, his hair. Even in the summer, his hair was almost white. He looked like a movie star. And you, what a build! And I remember there was a picture taken of him uh, down in Belleville. Uh, I, and you people won't remember, but there was a picture taken of him uh, loading hay on a thing. Boy, he was really something. The Golden Jet, as they say. And you know. He did. He did. He first player to score. Now listen to this. This is hard to believe, and I know a lot of people scored fifty goals five times. And you know, every guy in the National League that's making a big money should thank Bobby Hall because he was the first guy that left the National Hockey League for the WHA and got a million dollars. Went to Winnipeg. We must talk about sometimes he was in Winnipeg. He's the guy that started the the salaries skyrocketing up to about eleven million dollars. And the guy that started it all was Bobby Hall. You know, earlier I was talking about Arizona and Darcy Temper from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I love that there. And he played for Red Deer and uh, WHL. And Cindy, uh, they have been great to us, an organ transplant. And, uh, and you're sitting here in the kitchen. Come on over and tell us a little bit about the WHL. Oh, the WHL has really stepped up to the plate for the coming, uh, for the last three years now about organ donation. And uh, they have a campaign going, as I said, for this will be their third year in partnership with Remax to make awareness for organ donation. As we all know, that's a very important uh, topic here in Canada. And, uh, you know, they've raised not only awareness, but they've raised a lot of money in the last two years. We, we have raised close to half a million dollars. For the Kidney Foundation of Canada, you know, I, you know, I love those guys. I love those guys from the Western Hockey League, and and you know, Wendell Clark and guys like that. And when, they have to be tough. You know, they travel twenty five hours by buses. They sit on buses, and and you, when you want a tough Western guy for you know, and like that. But how how did like I you know I I'm kind of sort of involved in it, and they have my jackets and all that and everything. How do they raise the money? Well, uh, one, one game per season come January, February, March, each team has a, 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 an evening where they promote it and the players uh, wear a, uh, let's call it a Don Cherry inspired hockey sweater. I won't call it a Jersey dad. It's a hockey, it's a hockey sweater. You know how that came about? The Jersey came about the Americans, uh, they call it in New, in New Jersey, you know, that it was a manufacturing place and the, anything, any, what, sweater that was made the americans call it uh new uh jersey so naturally we want to be like uh americans so we call them jerseys now instead of sweater and and it, it is sweater remember the book the sweater anyhow it was a great book the sweater and uh I, I digress, as they say. Tell me more about the so WA. The kid, so the play, kids, I call them kids. The players uh, wear these uh, hockey sweaters out on the ice, and uh, they after the game, they sign them, and they have an auction for these sweaters, and they really get a lot of big bucks for them. And uh, also throughout the game, there's uh, there's raffles going on. And, you know, another thing this year, too, they're, they're asking the Kidney Foundation is going to be at the game, and they're going to be uh, asking for donations for 
for a uh, Logan Boulay effect wristbands. The guy he was, they, oh. he when he was in that Humboldt accident, and uh, he donated six people are living today a good life because of him. Well, it was it was really something, and they call it the Logan Boulay effect because within two months of that tragic bus accident, there was 150,000 additional people signed up for organ donations in Canada. So they call that the Boulay effect. So we want to keep that going. So this is why we promote organ donation. Even in the sweaters, they're going to have a inside the inside the sweater. They're going to have Logan Boulay effect just to just to keep it going and. Uh, and also they give away at these games, uh, they're going to give away a thousand bobbleheads. They just give them away. So, and that's thanks to Remax stepping up to the plate. Uh, they pay the freight and it's really a fun occasion. So if anyone out there wants to go to the game, they're out West, you go to Canada donates and, uh, tells the date that we're promoting organ donation and raising funds. Well, my, my buddy, Steve Ludzik, uh, who played for Chicago a long time a coach, and I remember he coached the Ice Dogs. I remember he was on the ice, uh, Steve Ludzik, and he, he was a better skater than all the players. But uh, he's having a little tough time right now. He needs a liver transplant. I thought I'd throw that in. My buddy, uh, Steve Ludzik, he's done so much for everybody else, Parkinson's disease and everything. And, uh, you know, it's tough to talk about. And, and you know, at public, people are listening right now. They think, ah, oh, yeah, no, Logan, you know, and, and, and uh, Steve and that there. It never happens to me. Believe me. I was coaching the Boston Bruins, and I'm riding along, and I I had no idea about organ transplants. I had no idea. I remember one guy coming up to me when my son Tim was there. I'd been on the dialysis machine for two years. I said, oh, that's good, because I had no idea. And uh, if it can happen to Ludzik and it can happen to my family, it can happen to everybody. Everybody, everybody should jump aboard and, and be great with the WHL. They are a great league. You know, I get asked a lot. I get asked a lot by the, the players. And I get asked a lot. How did we get started on Rock'em, Don Cherry's Rock'em, Sock'em? 30 years it lasted. And next week, we're going to talk about it.